0: So we are in this series called Jesus Stories. We're walking through the book of Luke. And uh, together we've been reading at home uh, chapters 5 and 6 this last week. This next week will be chapters 7 and 8. And we're looking at Jesus Stories. We're looking at Jesus. What did he say? What did he do? Because we want to be with Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. We want to do what he does. And so if that's what we want to do as disciples, then let's take a look at Jesus' life. And so over the last couple of weeks, we've learned that Jesus grew in wisdom, stature, and favor of God and man. So as a disciple, I need to be growing. Jesus knew his identity and his purpose. I can know my identity and purpose. And so today, with the time that we have left, I have five quick points. Um, And I use the word quick loosely. Um, five quick points that I have pulled out of chapter six, the last half of chapter six, that I think are important things for us to notice about what Jesus says and does and maybe what are some things that we can do in relationship to our life. And before we step into these things, um, I want us to notice just uh, kind of the background or notice the setting. Jesus had just spent all night in prayer, and then he gets up and out of his disciples, out of his followers, he chooses 12 to be apostles. And it says in Luke chapter 6, verse 17, it says this, he went down with them and stood on a level place. And a large crowd of his disciples was there, and a great number of people from all over Judea, from Jerusalem and from the coastal region around Tyre and Sidon. Notice this for a moment here, that Luke describes two groups of people, a large group or a large crowd of disciples. I think sometimes when we hear the word disciple, at least when we're reading it in the Bible, we think it's the twelve, ten, twelve, it's the twelve, um, Jesus had a lot of disciples, men and women, who followed Jesus around. It was the 12 that he chose and were called to be apostles. So there's a great number of disciples and a great number of people in the crowd. Remember, we talked a few weeks ago about the difference between a disciple a follower of Jesus and someone who's a part of the crowd. Verse 18 continues, um, Who had come... To hear him and to be healed of their diseases, those troubled by impure spirits were cured. And the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. So get this picture. Jesus is ministering to the crowd. He's healing. People know that the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit is on him. And so he begins to speak to his disciples. And in verse 27, I'm going to jump there real quick because Jesus says something interesting to those who are listening. He says this, but to you who are listening, I say, I I think Jesus was just kind of acknowledging that there's this vast crowd of people who are there, But not everybody was really listening, right? I mean, that's true in any crowd, with any speaker. There's always somebody who's not listening. So Jesus is acknowledging I know some of you just came to see me do miracles and maybe to be healed yourself. But those of you who are here to listen, I say. So the question I have is are you listening? When you, I know it seems weird, but when you read your Bible, when you come to church, or when you're in a Bible study, are you listening or not? That's a question that you have to answer. I can't answer for you. So the first thing that I want to pick out of this section is this You are blessed. In verse 20, of chapter 6. This is where Luke presents the Sermon on the Mount. It's Luke's version. It's a little shorter, but you have a shortened list of the Beatitudes where it says, Blessed are you um, who are poor. Yours is the kingdom. Blessed are the hungry. You shall be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep. Um, You shall laugh. And so this all is in conjunction with The Sermon on the Mount similar, like I said, to Matthew. And then Jesus says these words, which are kind of hard to hear. Blessed are you when people hate you, when they exclude you and insult you and reject your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy because great is your reward in heaven, for that is how their ancestors treated their prophets. When somebody hates you, when somebody rejects you, you are blessed. What? That doesn't seem to make sense. Now, we know that there's a caveat there, and the caveat is this. If you... uh, In Jesus' name, or because of Jesus. So, know this, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, people will exclude you, people will hate you. So, whether you're at work, or at school, or somewhere... Sometimes, especially if you're proclaiming Jesus or living your life so that in whatever you say or do, you bring glory to God. If that's your purpose and you're living it out, there are going to be people, people that exclude you, maybe even hate you. You will be rejected because Jesus was rejected. The second thing, um, after you are blessed, is this. You are to love. And as we heard with Terry and the little ones up here, it's more than just loving your friends and family or the people you like or the people who uh, like you. Um, Jesus has a way of taking things and bringing it to another level, right? Right? So when he says love, he says this. But to you who are listening, verse 27, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Stop. Serious? This is really what Jesus wants you and I as followers of Jesus to do. He wants us to love our enemies. That goes against everything our culture and even our own self-preservation thinks is what we should do. He goes on and says, If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Also, if someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. And if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Oh, really? I'm not going to go into all those details of each one. I encourage you to read through that list on your own. Maybe go back and what ask the Holy Spirit what that means for you. Is there anybody in your world that you would label loosely an enemy? Or is there anybody that has offended you or hurt you? Ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. He will, trust me. And then follow up with, How do you want me to love that person like you love them? Then comes the third step do it. Don't try to explain it away, just do it. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. Now, Jesus follows up with a few more words regarding this. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who do are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. In other words, if all you do is love people who love you, you're no different than the crowd. You are not really a follower of Jesus. Now, well, Brad, that's pretty harsh. I'm just, this is what the Bible says. This is what Jesus says. I'm just... Basically regurgitating what Jesus is saying here. This, for me, is about holiness. See, we, we, we think holiness is all about perfection. Holiness is about being set apart. To be holy in the world means to be set apart. To be different from the world means I will love my enemy. I will do good to those who hurt me. I will bless those who hurt me, that curse me. I will do what Jesus does. Jesus continues to say, but love your enemies, do good to them. He's repeating himself and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high because he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked be merciful just as your father is merciful your reward is great if you choose to love your enemy if you choose to do Good to those who hurt you because, and I, and I love this, I'm just going to go back here. You see it right here. Uh, there you go. And you will be children. Then your roar will be going, great, right in the middle, and you will be children of the Most High. Okay? A disciple, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I want the world to know I'm a child of God. Then... I need to love my enemies. Next, here's the third thing. Jesus doesn't get easier. Let me just tell you. Do not judge. I think we all like to judge some, right? We like to judge other people. I I think sometimes we like to judge... Because it makes me feel better about myself. If I kind of look at them and judge them and you know lower them down a notch or so, I feel better about myself. Whatever the reason, Jesus tells us not to judge. Luke 6, 37. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Do you see that? you see what's going on there? give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap, for with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. In other words, um, do do to other people what you want them to do to you. If you don't want people to judge you, don't judge them. So, Do not judge. Don't condemn. Um, Yeah, there's a great quote. And I'm just going to go right through this quote. I I couldn't remember who said this, but it's a great quote. So I I can't give credit where credit is due. This is not for me. It is a great quote. And it's about this. Sometimes we would forget our role as followers of Jesus and God's role. And the quote goes like this. God is the righteous judge. Get that? Satan is the judgmental accuser. Jesus is the pleading intercessor. Holy Spirit is the loving convictor. Christians are the forgiving messengers. Our job is not to judge. It is God's judge opportunity to judge. He will judge the world. He is the righteous judge. It is the it is the evil one that accuses us and gets us to be judgmental. That is we talked about Uh, Disordered desires and the deception back in January and February, this is it. When we become judgmental and judge others, we are, in essence, speaking the evil one's language because he is the accuser. Jesus is the interceder. He died on the cross for our sins and now he sits at the right hand of God interceding for us. It is the Holy Spirit who convicts us Out of love, the Holy Spirit doesn't judge us. Sometimes it may feel like judgment inside you, but it's not judgment, it's not condemnation, it's conviction of the Holy Spirit. There's something got to be changed. My role as a follower of Jesus is to lovingly forgive the world around me. The fourth thing is this check your fruit. I know that seems a little weird, but Luke 6, Jesus says this, No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Or I could say, notice what is coming out of your mouth. In other words, check your fruits. What is coming out is in here. If you are judgmental, that means that's, that's what, something's going on in here. If you are hurtful or hateful, there's something going on in here that needs to be dealt with. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. If that's coming out, that means there's God's stuff in here. This is this is Colossians 3. You know, put to death these things. Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, gentleness, forgiveness, forgiving like Jesus. It's Philippians 4. Think on these things. Whatever's pure, what is lovely, whatever's right. It's James. Wisdom from Down here is envy, selfish, ambition. Wisdom from above is, uh, first of all, pure, then peace-loving. You get the picture. The kingdom of God is about the fruit of the Spirit. If that's coming out, then that meets what's going in. You see, the hard part, though, is letting the Holy Spirit in to convict and deal with the bad stuff that is in here. This... This is what we do at Mark Men for Christ is we say, what is going on in your world? What's going on in here that needs to come out, that you need to deal with? And then we invite the Holy Spirit in there to show us and deal with it. And together, we, we invite the Spirit in and the Spirit deals with it and works with it. And then that person walks out, hopefully beginning to live more of that fruit of the Spirit. That, so check your fruit. The last thing, listen and obey. Jesus says right away in verse 46 Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Right? How can you truly call Jesus Lord? And not do what he says. Again, I know that that's a hard thing. But remember, a disciple of Jesus, Jesus said a lot of hard things. Because he wants us to be his disciples in the world. So why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? So then he gives a parable of what it looks like for those who do What he says, as for everyone who comes to me and hears my word and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on the rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck in the house uh, but could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears my words and does not put them into practice is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So listen and obey. There are some people in this church and some people that we know in this world that it seems like no matter what comes along, they have this steady endurance. It's because they've lived a life of listening and doing. They listen and do. Listen and do. Then there are some people who something comes along and their world falls apart. They don't listen and do. They listen, but they don't do. So in conclusion today, as a follower of Jesus... I'm going to do what Jesus did. So I'm going to consider myself blessed. As we look at this, you are blessed. And I'm going to proclaim the good news. And no matter what the world says about me, I'm going to continue proclaiming the good news because I am blessed. And I'm going to leap for joy when people reject me because I'm proclaiming Jesus. And I'm going to love those people. I'm going to love my enemies and I'm going to do good for them and I'm going to pray for them, pray God's blessing on them. I'm not going to judge the world because God is the judge and I'm going to Come into the world with love and forgiveness and let God take care of the judging and let the Holy Spirit take care of the convicting. That's not my responsibility. And then I'm going to check my fruit. Remember, Jesus also says in here, hey, pull the log out of your own eye before you pull the little splinter out of somebody else's. So I'm going to I'm going to check my fruit. What's coming out of me? Is the fruit of the Spirit coming out of me? Or is anger, bitterness, and rage coming out of me? Either way, I'm going to check my fruit. So, people, as followers of Jesus, you are blessed. Let us love like Jesus loved. Let us not judge the world. Let us make sure we are inviting the Holy Spirit into our world. And then, and then, the world will know that we are children of God. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for being merciful towards us. And then I, I pray that this is a hard thing to take in sometimes, this kind of stuff. Um, thank you that it's not about me doing this on my own. One, you have given me the Holy Spirit. You have given us the Holy Spirit so that we can do this. And two, we are in fellowship with one another. We, we can do this together. And three, it's not about perfection. It's about daily growing and learning, and so today we commit to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.